everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Javan Makmali. I totally killed your name, didn't I? Uh, you got the last name perfect, which is the hardest one. Just Javon, first Javon. name. Yep. Awesome. I think I probably did it wrong on the episode you were on. No, actually, I think that one was right. Okay. I, 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 I usually remember. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Anyway, uh, you came on and you talked to us about Tricks, which is a text editor. I think it's the one you said that is used in Basecamp. That's correct. Um, so yeah, uh, fun stuff there. I was just uh, thinking, this is going to be fun just to see where this goes because Basecamp is kind of notoriously written in Ruby on Rails. And so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear your story and how you uh, came around to writing all this stuff. Um, do you want to give us just a brief introduction though? Tell us who you are, uh, where you work, why you're well-known, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Javon Mokmali, like you said, um, I'm a programmer at Basecamp where I've worked for almost nine years and I've been doing wow. web development for probably going on 15 now. Um, and my role as a programmer over those years has, like a lot of people, gravitated towards JavaScript to the point where it's the primary language that I work in now, um, although still a lot of Ruby, Ruby on Rails. Um, and I'll talk about that whole progression more as we get into it. But um, yeah, the, the bulk of my programming and JavaScript experience has been at Basecamp. Nice. Very cool. I used to want to work at Basecamp. Now what I'm pretty happened? happy doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great place to work. That, that's what I've heard. I've heard that from a number of people who've been there. Um, let's go ahead and start at the very beginning and then we'll kind of work our way. Yeah. Through your development history. Um, how did you get into programming? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to say I stumbled onto it cause it was somewhat of an intentional path, but um, you know, I'd been always interested in technology as a kid and, growing up high school, et cetera. Um, but I didn't really get into programming until I decided to try a um, program at my community college here in Ann Arbor. Uh, that was, I don't want to say computer, computer science, but it was a, a technical track towards sort of professional web development. And it turned out to be great and it clicked with the way my brain worked. Um, and so much so that I decided to pursue a computer science degree and a uh, four-year state college here, and that did not click with me. <laughs> I ended up <laughs> dropping out after a year. Um, it oh, wasn't wow. so much the computer science part; it was just the the whole education program 
I don't know, it wasn't working for me. And I had um, started to pick up freelance work and just decided to see how far I could go without going to more school. Makes sense. I have a computer engineering degree and I did a lot of work that I didn't have to do to get that yeah. I mean, we're really fortunate to work uh, in an industry where you don't really need to go to school. If, if it's helpful, that's great. And there's a ton yeah. of things you can learn in school, but you can also learn a ton on the job, reading books, yeah. learning online, et cetera. Yeah. I, I kind of uh, make the point with a lot of people that some people need four years of structured learning in, in order to be, I guess, prepared to hold down a full-time job doing software development. And some people need a three-month boot camp to figure out what they're doing, another three months to get their feet really good and wet, <laughs> and, then they're, and then they're fine. So Yeah, it's incredible. I know people who have done you know, eight-week boot camps and started their careers over, found jobs yeah. right, right after. Um, yeah. Who knows how long that'll last in our history, but it's pretty incredible that you can do that now. Yeah. It's also interesting that people try to generalize one way or the other, that one way is better than the other. And instead of just recognizing that some people are going to thrive one way versus the other. Sure. So, so yeah. So you start finding freelance clients. Um, yeah. Was it mostly web development or? Yeah. Web development. Um, a lot of, you know, content management tools. I was working in PHP mostly. Um, mm -hmm. This is like, I don't know, early 2000s. Uh, Right. Um, or mid 2000s, I guess. Um, and then I don't know where exactly, but I, I heard about Ruby on Rails and started taking an interest in it and started building toy projects and then kind of shifted that to into my freelance career. So I just started building things for clients with Rails instead of PHP. Um, and that that, I guess, decision pretty much altered the the path that I'm on now or set the path. I don't know. Um, right. Uh, so how, I started, did you, how did you encounter rails? What was the, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what, you know, it was probably some blog posts or online news. I don't know. Was, did Twitter exist then? <laughs> um, but it, um, yeah, so I don't remember the spark, but after just kind of starting to read about it and, and um, play with it a little bit, it just, it felt like a completely different world from, the world I'd come from. Um, it, it, uh, there are just things that I kind of assumed that I would have to always build over and over again, <laughs> right. or, uh, things that I needed to think about that maybe I didn't need to think about all the time. Um, so rails kind of pushed all the stuff that I didn't really care about mm -hmm. thinking of that often, uh, into the background and let me focus on building stuff. Right. That makes sense. So yeah, so you get in, you're learning Rails, you're doing Rails, and then you make another transition. You you start doing JavaScript more and more. Yeah, uh, not quite actually. Um, at that point, I was more focused on Ruby, Ruby on Rails, um, that whole ecosystem. I knew enough JavaScript to like get the job done, but I mm -hmm. it didn't click. It didn't click for me right away or for a number of years. Um, I knew enough not to make a big mess, but I was mostly, you know, finding jQuery plugins to get, right. to get stuff done. Um, yep. and, days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I ended up working a couple jobs, um, for a few years professionally working with rails and then, uh, 
applied for a job at Basecamp, which was then known as 37 Signals. Um, right. And even right away then, I was still mostly doing Rails, uh, but I just JavaScript entered into my, <laughs> fell, on my fell on my lap, and uh, the pieces were, were kind of fell in my lap too in a way that made more sense, um, along with some people who had been working with JavaScript for a long time. Uh, my coworker, Sam Stevenson, who had been yeah. doing JavaScript forever, um, he, well, for one, he he knows JavaScript really well, but also he um, introduced me and our whole development cycle to CoffeeScript. Um, so we're talking, uh, what was that? 2012, maybe 2011. Yeah, um, that sounds about the time frame that Rails adopted CoffeeScript mm -hmm. as part of the stack. And um, CoffeeScript kind of helped make JavaScript click for me. Um, I not just the syntax itself, but um, I think it was actually viewing the compiled coffee script, which is pretty nice. It's, it's very readable output. Mm -hmm. um, helped me understand the language of JavaScript itself. Right. And then that was sort of a self-referencing cycle there where it helped me move forward. And um, I think a couple of years later, so I was mostly just building you know, features in Basecamp, doing that. And then around 2013 or 12, uh, Sam and I started building tricks. Um, and that was a year and a half long project for the both of us where it was pretty much the only thing we were working on. And during that time, um, man, I probably, I probably touched every DOM API that existed felt like <laughs> and uh, really flexed a lot of um, JavaScript's quirks and uh, just came out of that, you know, a year and a half later feeling like I, I understood everything. <laughs> I mean, not everything, but um, it, it, uh, it all really made sense at that point. And I also had grown really fond of the language. Right. So yeah, so you're you're picking up uh, CoffeeScript and things are starting to click. Um, you're also getting digging into the DOM API. I'm a little bit curious. Was this an initiative that Basecamp decided that they needed, or was this something that you all decided that you wanted to work on? I, I'm not sure how you figure out what to work on at Basecamp. I guess is what I'm really asking. Yeah, this was uh, it's kind of an unusual project um, at Basecamp. You know, we we don't typically work on tools for that long. Um, right. uh, we had grown frustrated with the um, WYSIWYG rich text editors that were available. Uh, you know, there's a handful of them at the time and yep. um, they were all frustrating in their own ways. Um, and it was frustrating for our customers and we'd probably gone through a few iterations of them and uh, just decided now's the time to, try building one for ourselves uh, using an, a new approach. Uh, one that isn't new now, but was relatively new then. And it paid off. Um, it was, it's made our lives and the lives of our support team much, e <laughs> much easier. So historically, they were quirky in the past, mm -hmm. uh, inconsistent across browsers. Mm -hmm. 
um, did weird things that you couldn't undo out of or delete, et cetera. And there was, it was hard to give customers a satisfying answer to those problems. And so we wanted to build something where if something broke, we'd understand why and right. be able to fix it. Yeah, that is something that I've run into with some of the other editors. Something quirky happens and then you're like, okay, what's not playing nice with this? Right, like why can't I delete this bullet Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing? <laughs> Yeah, I run into that too. So, yeah. The thing that I believe most about top-notch developers is that they're constantly learning. Whether you're out watching videos, whether you're reading blog posts or books, whether you're out writing open source software, you're always out there learning how to be a better developer. And my friends at Thinkster and I teamed up and we put together a show called the DevEd Podcast. You can find it at devedpodcast.com. It's run by Joe Eames, who you might know from JavaScript Jabber, Adventures in Angular, and Views on View. And they have terrific conversations about what it means to become a better developer, to learn how to do development, and the ways that you can learn. So if you're looking for inspiration and ideas about how you can do better and learn better as a developer, then go check out the DevEd Podcast. And so um, if let's say that you're using Basecamp, or you're going to see this like when you create uh, documents uh, or is it used in other places too or yeah pretty much anywhere you're composing prose in Basecamp so writing comments messages um, uh, it's actually used in our chat tool um, as the input um, anywhere that we want to accept either rich text with you know text with formatting or um, integrate attachments into content so dragging uh, images into a, uh, a message, um, dragging files in, et cetera. Those are all handled uh, as rich text attachments via tricks. Right. Now, we, we kind of left off the JavaScript conversation talking about CoffeeScript. And if I remember right, in the episode, you actually said that tricks is written in CoffeeScript. Uh, that, yeah, that's correct. So these days, are you doing more CoffeeScript or JavaScript or TypeScript? Or how, and how has that transition been? Because CoffeeScript really isn't something that I see promoted as a way to go anymore. Yeah, we've, um, we're not writing any new CoffeeScript anymore at Basecamp. Right. Um, Trix is still written in CoffeeScript. Some of uh, you know, our older applications are still use CoffeeScript. Right. Um, with the latest version of Basecamp, Basecamp 3, we kind of drew the line in the sand and said, okay, new features are going to be written in, it's essentially plain JavaScript, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, Babel transpiled right. JavaScript. Um, and uh, new library code at Basecamp is pretty much all being written in TypeScript now. Um, but application code um, is, is pretty much the most vanilla ES6. Um, and that's gotcha. TypeScript has been, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan and uh, it works really well for us uh, in the context of libraries mostly, but mm -hmm. when say adding features to Basecamp, um, we have a lot of people writing code, a lot of designers, a lot of programmers, uh, they all write JavaScript and uh, I don't think it makes sense to, to bring TypeScript in there, uh, at least not yet just because it's a, it's a learning curve that mm -hmm. doesn't feel necessary that we push on to everyone. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting just looking at this and, and the experience there. How, how has the open source experience been with this? Because 
I see that uh, a lot of companies as they open source things, you know, some get adoption, some don't. There's also usually some feedback from the community, positive, negative, warranted or not. Um, so what's your open source experience been like? Um, just in general or, yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, overall really positive. We've, um, we hope we open source almost everything that we can. Um, not just JavaScript, but uh, obviously Ruby on Rails came from Basecamp originally. So it's all founded in open source there. I'd say the hardest part about having open source is just really triaging incoming issues. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm putting air quotes around issues. Um, there, It's a difficult line to balance wanting to help people and wanting to say, this isn't an issue or right. this is sorry, we can't help you with that. Um, uh, and also reviewing code changes is hard. So, you know, it's like if somebody contributes even a, a great pull request, it just takes a lot of work to understand the changes and understand the, the maintenance implications. But overall, I think I've learned kind of a, to find a healthy balance there where it's okay to, not respond to everything. It's okay mm -hmm. if you uh, don't, if it's okay to just say, no, sorry. Um, it's okay to ignore a project for a few months. Um, it's, it's hard because open source just generates a lot of noise or mm -hmm. not noise in a negative way, just a lot of notifications for lack right. of a better word. Um, and you still have your job to go to and work to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, and it, sometimes feels like that's like extra, right? Yeah. Like it's not related to getting your job done necessarily, but I mean, you spend enough time doing it. And uh, if you have enough projects, you just kind of have to learn to be a little bit Zen about all of it, I guess. Yep. Um, but that said, uh, I guess maybe comparing um, tricks and a few other JavaScript libraries that we open sourced. Um, I think I mentioned this previously, CoffeeScript was never uh, great um, as far as open source goes because a lot of people either have a strong negative reaction to it or right. don't, never learned it. Um, so vanilla JavaScript or even TypeScript, I think are both uh, better fit for open source in that there's a wider, um, wider community of developers who will contribute. Interesting. So is that what you spend most of your time working on these days or do you have other projects that you're working on now? It's always been a balance between uh, like working directly on internal applications like Basecamp itself. Um, and some of the work that I do at Basecamp is internal tooling that makes just developers' lives e easier um, and may not be open source. It may just be ergonomics within our applications such that other people can build similar features or reuse existing components, that, that kind of work. Um, and as far as uh, just focusing on, we tend to have these um, big pushes in open source that uh, correspond to big pushes on uh, new application work. So when we're building Basecamp 3, uh, we're often kind of in parallel building or extracting or uh, revisiting open source uh, projects, tools, and either in parallel or after the fact, we kind of get it all out there and 
share everything that's can be extracted. Um, yep. So in that way, we end up with kind of working in these cycles where, uh, you know, new major versions or new uh, big updates to open source stuff at Basecamp often cor correlates with a new version of some product. Makes sense. Um, I'm also a little curious. Uh, a lot of times we focus a lot on people as far as just, you know, what they've done or their coding, you know, and things like that. And, and I'm kind of curious just to give people a glimpse into who you are. So outside of the code, outside of the work, you know, what do you do? What do you get passionate about? What do you spend your time on? Um, you know, uh, your, your living or family situation. Um, you know, what do you like about Ann Arbor? You know, those kinds of things that just kind of give people a, a well-rounded look at, okay, Javon is more than just this dude that writes tricks, right? He's, he's a person that goes and does everyday stuff and, you know, struggles with maybe the same kinds of balance or life things that the rest of us do. Yeah. Um, I could share a few things. Um, so for one, uh, kind of the newest addition to my life is, uh, we had a daughter almost two years ago. So first time parent and that's, um, yeah, that changes that, things. That changes things. Um, <laughs> and in a lot of ways, I mean, it's of course, wonderful having a kid. Uh, it's a ton right. of work and, it's actually helped shape my work life balance for the better. Like it's, it's something that forces me to stop working <laughs> right. uh, at five, for example, because someone's depending on me. Um, whereas prior to that, I may have continued on because I was interested or trying to solve a problem. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's not always healthy. I think um, uh, I really appreciate how it's given me just, okay, it's, mm -hmm. it's five o'clock. I can set this down and, nothing bad will happen. I can pick it back up in the morning. Um, whereas yep. before I had, I had a really hard time just getting things out of my head. I'd be like, Oh, well, I'm going to work on this for till it's finished. Cause if I don't, I'm just going to be thinking about it. Um, and, uh, I guess I should mention too, that, um, I work remotely base camps and, uh, headquartered in Chicago, but we, we all work remotely. Um, and I think it's hard for me to imagine not working remotely now, like ever in the future, but, um, it's also really easy to work too much when you're from home. It's really, it's really easy to uh, blur the line between work and not work um, because often it's right there. You can walk over and work if you want. And even though Basecamp doesn't expect people to work long hours or outside of regular work hours, um, I think I'd fallen into a pattern of probably working more than nine to five, for example. Um, so anyway, it's all to say that like being a parent has kind of helped me in a lot of ways uh, with, with that. And I have this great little human being who is part me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know how that is. One of the things that I have as a goal for devchat.tv is to cover technologies that are up and coming, things that we're probably going to have to deal with on a more regular basis in the future. Some of these include AI, VR, and one of them is blockchain. So I reached out to one of the experts that I knew, Gregory McCubbin, and we pulled together a few other people and we've started a podcast called Adventures in Blockchain. So if you're looking at blockchain as something that you may wanna work in, something that you're curious about learning more about, or something that you just wanna keep current on until you have the opportunity to make a career jump and go over and work in blockchain and crypto, then definitely check out Adventures in Blockchain. You can find it at adventuresinblockchain.io. Uh, so I grew up here in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, it's a, I don't know, 
small town. It's about 125,000 people. Uh, it's a college town. Right. Um, I moved here having, I moved back here having lived in, uh, on the West coast, but, uh, the last stop was in Los Angeles and, um, doing all that helped me kind of appreciate the things I like about the Midwest and small towns, just being able to like walk everywhere and <laughs> be outside and be outside of a city really easily. Um, so I don't know if I'll live here for the rest of my life, but, um, just traveling and getting out of my my home comfort zone actually helped me appreciate what I really like about home. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. So prior to being a dad, um, I, you know, I've never been someone who uh, did a ton of programming just in my free time. Although I definitely do from time to time. I, I try to just like get away from the computer outside of, outside of work. Um, and so now that that's being a parent, it's mostly my time is spent parenting. But prior to that, it was just like getting outside, getting into the woods, taking my dog for a walk, trying to get some exercise, uh, just, you know, turning off screens, yep. uh, trying to do analog things when I'm after spending eight hours doing digital things. And that increasingly is a hard thing to do. Um, just generally in our world. So, but it's super valuable. There's, I can't count the number of times I've solved a problem by walking away from it, um, going for a walk, getting out, taking my dog for a walk. Um, so that's a recommendation for going for walks for anyone listening, but <laughs> just also like a reminder that, you know, balancing those things is important. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh I'm definitely down with that. I've been training for a marathon. In fact, the marathon's on Saturday. And uh, yeah, just getting away. I mean, I put my earbuds in and listen to something while I'm running. But yeah, just getting the the break for my headspace is really important. So I'll yeah. back you up on that. That's great. Anything else that I should have asked you about or anything else that you want to bring up? Well, um, I don't know if this flows in with the, uh, <laughs> the arc that we've been on, but uh, I think... Um, Something worth mentioning and something that maybe we we do a little bit differently at Basecamp. Um, we've been building Ruby on Rails apps and various three versions of Basecamp over 12 years um, in almost the same way, which I think is really interesting. Um, and that that is almost exclusively server rendered HTML, um, full page HTML views, and uh, HTML that's augmented by JavaScript or progressively enhanced by JavaScript. And like, incredibly that hasn't changed. Like we continue to, to yield a bunch of um, benefits and just developer ergonomics by, by doing that. And it's shaped the way that we write JavaScript, JavaScript libraries, th the, the way we think about JavaScript. You know, I've been writing JavaScript professionally for, I don't know, say 10 years and with almost the goal of writing less JavaScript, <laughs> like uh, that, that's, that's the thing that is in the back or the forefront of my mind. Every time I'm writing JavaScript is, do I have to be writing this? And um, what's, what's the least amount of JavaScript I could write to make this work well. And hopefully that continues to be the pattern. It's, it's, it's really, it's a really enjoyable path. And I don't know, uh, 
I don't want to say it's like frowned upon anymore. Like uh, just the way that applications are built these days are, are often really complicated. And there's, there's a, you can still build applications like you did in 2001 and make them work like 2019 fast a different way and kind of a less glamorous way. So just wanted to maybe like share that aspect of the way that we work at Basecamp and the way that we write JavaScript um, is, is like first and foremost, um, just for HTML, server mm-hmm. rendered HTML. And it's great. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I like the simplicity of the approach, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are, I think there are cases where, you know, the, the traditional front end single page app is kind of a slam dunk. And I think there are some cases where the server rendered is a slam dunk. Um, and having come in from the Rails end of things, I tend to favor having it server rendered and then sprinkling JavaScript on top of it, as DHH says. But that said, you know, I recognize that some aspects of the UI might require a, a bit more effort than that. And so you may wind up pulling in some more complicated tools. But yeah, just looking for the simple solution you can sprinkle on top is, is really convenient in a lot of ways. At least starting there. Yeah. And if it, if it hurts, then look for something more um, involved, more high fidelity. But oftentimes, you'll never get there. And when you do, great. There's no nothing wrong with going on, uh, bringing in a, a more involved um, front-end framework, component, what have you. But uh, just maybe don't make it the starting point every time. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, the next segment on the show is picks. Now, you did picks when you were on JavaScript Jabber, so you probably get the, the gist of what we're doing here. But uh, yeah, is there anything you want to shout out about on the show? You know, um, I totally spaced on this section and I should have gathered up a few links. So that's, that's I'm going to... Um, I'll throw some email out. email you a then, couple as soon as we get off the line. Yeah, I'll throw some out. And then, um, yeah, and then if you think of anything in the meantime, that's great. And if not, then we'll just uh, wrap up. Deal. All right. So um, I'm trying to think of what I was going to pick because I've been, I've been chasing so many different things lately. I think the one that I'm most excited about right now is called Bomb Bomb. And what it is is it's a way of sending um, videos in email. I've been using it a lot to reach out to people for the podcasts and for like podcast sponsorships, but not just that, um, you know, just connecting with people that I haven't connected with in a while. Um, it's, it's a really terrific tool. So essentially what you do, I have the Chrome plugin pl- uh, sign, uh, that I'm using and um, what it does is it allows you to just click a button and then you record the video and then it embeds an animated GIF. And so it shows like, a. in fact, I have a sign, uh, a whiteboard, a small whiteboard. And so, you know, I write hi, whoever on it and, uh, you know, wave at them. And then they know that it was made for them. And yeah, it works out really, really well. I I really, really like it. So um, it's bombbomb.com. And yeah, I like that. And then I'm also working on a new uh, program for developers. And it's focused mostly around achieving what you want to achieve in your career and being the kind of developer that, uh, at least for me, that I've always enjoyed working with, you know, so they're the people that are driven, that they love 
They love doing what they do. They like to talk about this stuff. They like to challenge themselves. They're continuously learning. And then they push me to do the same kinds of things. And so um, I'm putting together a membership site where we just talk about this kind of thing every week. And uh, you can get it at maxcoders.io. And um, yeah, I mean, the whole idea is to do all that stuff. We're also going to have webinars with other people who I either consider max coders or who can add some aspect to this. Um, and I'm also going to do Q&A so that if you have like career questions or specific technology questions that you think I can answer for you, um, then we can tackle that. And then I'm also going to be putting out a video series on just some of the stuff I'm learning. So uh, over the next while, I think it's going to be Electron, building an Electron app. So I'll be putting all that good stuff together. But yeah, you know, I, I plan to branch into like React Native and then come back to Rails. And anyway, so you can kind of get the idea of where we're going with a lot of this stuff. So um, if you're interested in that, go to maxcoders.io and sign up. Um, it's still relatively new. So, you know, if it looks new, you'll probably get it for and be grandfathered in for a lower price. And then as it gets more established, then we'll probably start raising the price. So um, I want to make sure that the value people are getting matches up with what they're paying. So with less content, it's worth less in my opinion. So we'll, we'll work on that. But yeah, I've, I've got uh, the next three months worth of content uh, calendared in and yeah, we're just going to get it done and get people all this kind of stuff. It seems like a lot of the other training sites kind of miss this stuff. It's, Hey, do you want to learn react or do you want to learn rails? or Do you want to learn view? And they don't teach people how to be successful in their careers. And I think a lot of people really miss out on opportunities because they're not ready for them. And I want to just get people there. So helping people get there and then helping them become the kind of coder that you want to work with is, is kind of the focus. So, yeah. That's really cool. All right. Do you think of anything you want to shout out or should we just wrap up? Um, we can wrap it up. I, I plan to email you a, a few links that you can include in the show notes. Um, All right, folks, you're going to have to go look at the show notes to see Javon's <laughs> picks. <laughs> All right. Well, then, yeah, um, I guess the other question I have is how do people find you on the Internet if they want to reach out or keep tabs on what you're working on or things like that? Yeah, so uh, the, the way you spell my name is J-A-V-A-N, and that's my uh, username on Twitter, GitHub. I guess those are the two big ones, um, and those are the best ways to reach me or find what I'm working on. Yep, sounds good. All right, folks, we'll wrap this one up and we'll come back next week with another JavaScript story. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, the invitation and uh, good talking to you. Yeah, you too. Take care. Yeah. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.